Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello Colts fans, welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm your host Jake Arthur here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love it if you'd also give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you're enjoying the show. Thanks for joining me today, everybody. On today's show, I chat about the Browns with the host of the Locked on Browns podcast, Jeff Lloyd as well as the fellows of the Believe in Browns podcast, Charles Campisi and Tony Dick. The Colts have built a little momentum now at 3-1 and one after going to Chicago and winning there on the road. Uh, but the Browns are also 3-1, and one and they just were red hot last week against the Cowboys. They put up 49 points and over 500 yards of offense. So this is definitely the biggest test so far for the Colts against that Browns offense. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. They've got this game as an even pick em with an over-under of 47 points. So what are you going to say about that, Colts fans? From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. This game should be entertaining enough as is, but there are some variables that might make it even more interesting. For instance, the Colts have been without two big names in practice throughout the week in starting left tackle Anthony Costanzo and starting Will linebacker Darius Leonard neither of whom have practiced this week as of Thursday. Costanzo's nursing a rib injury, and Leonard is dealing with a groin injury. A fellow starting linebacker, Anthony Walker, also popped up on the injury report Thursday with an ankle injury. So your two keystone linebackers being both banged up, that's not, that's not a great look for an offense that they're facing this week. Cleveland's got a pretty huge injury report as well, but the only big notable name that's yet to practice as of Thursday is starting defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi, who has an abdomen injury. To break down this week's matchup, let's turn to Jeff Lloyd, the host of the Locked on Browns podcast. All right, Colts fans, I've got Jeff Lloyd here, the host of the Locked on Browns podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jeff. Uh, no problem at all. Um, you know, this it, is it's a fun week. Um, you know, obviously both teams three and one after what they both went through last year. Um, you know, for the uh, Colts, obviously you're looking at the AFC South here. God knows what in the world's going to become of the Tennessee Titans. You know, the yeah. Browns just want to continue to string them together. I mean, you know, you're chasing the Steelers who are undefeated at this point. Uh, you know, Baltimore. You know, they played well with in the past. Obviously, Week One didn't go this way. Um, but you know, now it's where it's you know you're getting into a different type of ball game this week between the Colts and the Browns and it'll, you know, it'll be another test for the Browns and see whether or not they can end up, you know, coming out on the right side of this one. Yeah. I know for, from a Colts perspective, last week was seen as kind of the first barometer game against the bears who were a quality team. They were three, and zero at the time. Uh, but this is a whole different animal. Um, the, the Browns, especially with that offense. And speaking of it, you know, last week, 49 points over 500 yards of offense do you see this as a sign of things to come or was this maybe a flash in the pan? Um, unless you're the Kansas city chiefs, I don't think anybody gets accustomed to scoring in the forties. Um, right. I, I think it was, 
you know, and ideally this is, you know, this franchise, you know, wh where they are right now. And it, look, they would love to get the passing game going more, but they realize what they have with this running attack and, you know, where your defense, you know, has some deficiencies, you, what are you going to try and do? You're going to try and condense the game. And if you can do that by running the ball, leading the drives that are scoring points, that's what you're going to try and do. Um, you know, I don't think 49 is the, the norm, um, but I certainly think this team has the ability, you know, especially against you know, lesser defenses, which we've seen the last three weeks, and we'll see some more coming, obviously not the next two weeks with you guys and the Steelers after that. But this is where, you know, kind of what you needed, though. You needed this offense, which, you know, it was weird because training camp, it really looked like the defense was really, really good. There were times some things of the offense looked good. Odell looked good. Baker looked good with Austin Hooper. The running game looked good. But for the most part, you know, during summer practices, the defense was winning day after day after day. Um, so to get this confidence going in these three games where you're now going to start facing some more legitimate defenses and defenses that aren't just, you know, based on one positional unit. Um, you know, the Colts obviously you know, have some talent and we'll see who plays this week and who doesn't within each level of their defense. So if the Browns can do this this week and score some points, which may be difficult because, you know, I, I don't think anybody's going to say this is going to be a 41-38 game. And if you do, you know, it may be a lottery ticket because I don't think anybody believes it's going to go that way. But this is a test now. And, you know, this offensive line is feeling good about themselves. You're to the point now where the skill position, almost everybody to a man is feeling good about themselves, except for maybe that tight end group. I think maybe they expected a little bit more from the tight ends to this point. I don't think anybody's disappointed. You're three and one. You're scoring a lot of points, but it's still something that can be worked in here to maybe just give this offense, you know, a, a few more weapons, a few more things for the defense to think about. And, you know, just as this offense tries to get a little bit more balance as the weeks go on. Yeah. And that's an offense that on paper, you know, everyone can see there's, there's plenty of weapons there. One of those weapons, uh, Nick Chubb, will be out for uh, for this game. I believe he's put on IR. A lot of people seem to forget that Kareem Hunt was one of the league's best backs when he joined the Browns. And now, you know, he's kind of thrust it into that starting role with Chubb out. You know, what what is this drop-off here? Is, is Chubb truly going to be missed? Or do you think that the Browns can kind of pick up where they've left off with, with Hunt as their lead back? Well, I mean, if you look back, you know, far enough, the 2017 season, Kareem Hunt led the lead, led the NFL in rushing. There was a really, really good chance in 2018, Kareem Hunt was going to lead the league in rushing, or if not, total yards from the running back position. 2019, at the very end of week 17, Nick Chubb lost the rushing title. I mean, so you talk about the potential of what these two can do together. Look, are you going to miss something from Nick Chubb? Of course. And what made this rushing attack so great was, there was no playoff. Um, you know, if Nick went out, Kareem in, Kareem came in. And so it was like, oh, all right, well, great. So now the guy that can run us over and run a four or five, now we've got to worry about the guy who was never tagged it his entire life growing up on the playgrounds in Kareem Hunt. Um, but they're going to rotate in another running back in Dearness Johnson. Um, they don't want to take away from the fact that Kareem is hands down by far and away the best receiving option they have in, you know, as far as a running back on the field. So somebody else is going to have to step up here because they don't want to take that part of Kareem's ability within this offense away. And then all of a sudden it comes to the point where, you know, you really are not going to have to worry about any of the running backs within the passing game. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, I think maybe Kareem who was limited last week, they said going into, and they obviously you know, monitored how much they use him against the Cowboys. They're taking it easy with him this week in practice. I think it'll be, you know, somewhere between maybe 18 to 25 touches, depending on, you know, what the game dictates and what's working and what's not. Um, you'll see Dearness Johnson. I mean, he, you know, granted it was against Dallas last week. Now you saw 95 yards rushing. Um, he looks really good all summer. And it was kind of funny because, you know, when you're behind Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you know, nobody really, it was like, you know, like they would watch him break a run and it would be like 30 seconds later. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was Dearness Johnson. Um, so he, you know, he played well and he, the guy has redefined himself. He's in a, he's in a lot better shape. Um, he looks really good in this system. Um, you know, maybe he looks really good or the offensive line is just doing that great of a job potato potato in my opinion as far as that goes um but you're going to work him in because you still want to use the fact that you, know, you like to run those wheel routes with kareem um when it's third and five you want to give that threat of kareem standing there three yards behind you know you know best line of scrimmage that hey if everything else doesn't work out we should have a quick dump out where he's got to break one tackle and we can move the chains um so they're going to keep it up but look you can't say losing nick chubb you're just gonna you know move on from it um but i think this is a point where you know they got to see a little bit of Dearness Johnson. They're deeper. 
Um, maybe this will force them to, you know, maybe uptick the amount of throws, maybe, you know, maybe not a great amount, three to four to five, possibly. And I think it's a really great sign for them that they got Odell Beckham Jr. going last week. Because now, look, I mean, it's not that Odell is never confident, but now it's like, you want to know, I told you all I can do this. Just get me the ball, man. I can just get me the ball. I told you all. So having, you know, Odell, you know, and look, we've seen where Odell can be, you know, the player of the month at times, as far from an offensive standpoint, he can string together three, four, five big weeks in a row. We've seen this. And with him healthy, like he is, it's probably a big, big, you know, advantage for them losing Nick, who is just smooth, steady, quiet, but it was like death taxes and Nick Chubb. You knew what you got week in, week out. And it was a real scare, obviously, the severe injury uh, of his knee in college. Um, and when he went down, normally, like, guys, when they blow out an ACL, you don't see screaming and yelling and that type of thing, which Nick Chubb was doing. So you knew he was in visible pain. So you thought maybe it was a deep bone bruise, something of that nature. Um, but it turns out to be the sprained MCL. They're saying anywhere between four to six weeks. Um, you know, as long as you can, you know, play solid ball here till November, getting a player like him back and rested when everybody else is probably going to be tired will be a big advantage. Uh, but I think they're ready to overcome it, but there's no way you can just say, Oh, well, Nick Chubb's out and, you know, don't worry about it. You know, we'll just simply move on. It'll be fine. And you mentioned OBJ. I mean, last week was definitely an, an exclamation, but does this, does, does it seem like he is finally starting to get used a little better or, you know, is this just one of those random big blow up games that he has? And also how has, uh, how has his chemistry with Baker Mayfield on the field developed? I think the first things first is he was, he was injured last year. He, you know, he had, you know, he had the uh, hernia ended up having the hernia surgery. And I'll be honest with you, it, it doesn't get enough credit because anything Odell does that's to the positive never gets any credit, but God forbid anything negative or anything somebody could deem to be a negative they're ready to, you know, obviously run and hit send it, you know, send it off to an editor. Um, the team was done, what, beginning of December? He didn't have to finish that season. He could have easily said, you want to know what? This thing is so painful. I can barely run. I'm maybe at 65 to 70%. I can only participate in Friday walkthroughs, which is, you know, meant nothing because the practices last year meant nothing. The way I've equated it is, is in where they are now with, you know, Coach Stefanski. And I think Baker was always in line with him. But the thing with Odell and Jarvis, and sometimes and, and some of the greatest receivers in the NFL do this, they don't run routes the way they're technically written up or supposed to. You know, they're always trying to put a little extra secret sauce on a route. And that's great when you're 100%. But when you're not, and you're not really getting to where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, it creates timing issues. And that happened last year with Jarvis. It happened last year with Odell. But what I equate to what we've seen, and he told everybody this offseason coming in August, look, I'm healthy. I can run. And, you know, he he uh, participated in every practice. There were days where they shut him down early because it was, A, he was beating the daylights out of everybody, and it just wasn't fair at that point. Or it was, you know, we've seen enough. Why are we going to overdo this? But I think the best way to talk about it, and I've been saying this for the last couple of days, is he's like, you know, a fancy sports car. I don't think the Browns knew how to drive him. You know, they had no idea exactly, you know, what to do with them. And now, so what did Stefanski pull out on Sunday? Well, hell, they're throwing it to him, hand it to him. He's one of the fastest players on the field. You know, so he ran a couple of reverses, had a great success with that. Uh, anytime he's in motion, obviously it creates a lot of, you know, verbiage and chatter between the defense because obviously the thing, every, everything's got to get recalibrated because wait a minute, we thought Odell was in the slot on the left. Now he's split out right. And just knowing what he is and what he brings as far as where the defense is going to key to granted, there's a lot more talent behind him, but it's usually going to start and end with him. But I think with that, you know, Baker getting the confidence in, you know, so many Browns fans, well, you need a tall wide receiver in the red zone. No, you don't. You need somebody who can create separation really, really quickly. And the slant for the touchdown on Sunday, he was able to show that you got to see everything that was, you know, the Odell Beckham jr. Of the New York giants. And I, I think we're just starting to peak here. Um, you know, he has, a t you know, if you figure it out, he has, he's averaging a touchdown a game right now. Granted, that was three on you know, week four. That certainly helped that average. Um, but William Jackson, he schooled week two for a touchdown against Cincinnati. He was eaten alive. Some defensive backs weren't ready for him this past week. Week one against Baltimore, he was open a lot more than people realized. Um, Baker just wasn't feeling it, wasn't in the flow yet. It's a lot better the last three weeks where Baker's quarterback rating is over 100. I expect this to maybe be the, the tip of the iceberg and you're going to start to see some more, you know, I'm not saying the nine for one eighties that he had to carry the giants most of the time to a 3.4 point loss, but you know, anywhere six for one, you know, five for 90, 
where he can be a big factor. I think this is going to start to be the norm for Odell Beckham Jr. in this offense. Well, that's definitely got to be good for Browns fans to hear because, like you said, he's like a fancy sports car. You saw so much of what he could do with the Giants and then just not seeing it very consistently with the Browns. Uh, but, you know, the offense isn't the only side of the ball that's got some studs on it. Miles Garrett, you know, he, he's kind of playing at a defensive player of the year pace. What what have you seen from him this year after last year? The, the story with him last year was the whole helmet and just smoking Mason Rudolph thing. <laughs> so what, uh, what have you guys seen from him kind of on a f- uh, fresh, clean slate in 2020? He was pro- he was playing at a ridiculous level last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I- I'm not going to go into it anymore, but uh, you know, having you know studied Miles Garrett every single day for over three years now, something set the man off. Um, he's in, in not pointing any fingers. Something somehow you know put him to that spot. He is a mild mannered dude. I mean, we're talking about a guy who got a dog and decided to throw a meet the fans dog party. So he literally went to a park with fans and everybody brought their dogs. I mean, normal NFL players don't do this. Normal NFL players don't rent out a bar for the series finale of game of Thrones and invite a whole bunch of fans to come watch it with him. Um, I think what it was is, and you know, what he's talked about is six weeks away, just, and it seems so weird. You know, he talked about putting the onus on himself and trying to learn himself better. I think he's probably one of the most, you know, self understood players in the league. He is smart. He is intelligent. He's giving. He, you know, he aims for the world to be a better place, and he has no problem speaking his mind on those things, making a difference. There, you know, people, you know, put on social media about financial hardships. Miles has got their back. There was a kid who was two hundred dollars short in an in in an Apple store trying to buy a new iPhone. The next thing you know, the kid had the phone in a bag. Nobody ever took his money, and there was Miles Garrett in the corner of the room winking at him, saying, "I got you." I mean, he's just a different type of superstar. Um, I think if anything, this, that whole situation made him just better um, and maybe more, more appreciative of it. Not that he wasn't already. Um, you know, and I think he just truly, you know, is just so excited for the career he has. Um, and certainly now with the extension and it probably blows his mind, the actual money he makes for what he does, but the on the field stuff, uh, um, has it, I think what's gotten better as far as on the field is he is playing with players closer to his ilk when it's just miles Garrett and, you know, Joe blow from Idaho and a 330 pound sack playing defensive tackle. It's a lot easier to say, all right, we're going to have to go through three defenders. Okay. That should lead to some one-on-ones or some one-on-nones in years past. There were players who couldn't do anything about it. They would do nothing about it. Now he's playing with, you know, Olivier Vernon and him. It's not been much that they got to play together from the time miles list last year and Olivier, but they mesh really, really well. Uh, you bring in Adrian Claiborne, uh, you know, just a solid pass rushing veteran in this league. Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi in the middle have been fantastic. Porter Gustin may be the only person on that defensive line who's even close to Miles as far as straight, pure athleticism. Um, so I think it's just easier now for Miles because you can't just look at Miles Garrett and say we're going to take him away. Because you do that, you're going to get killed by one of the defensive tackles. Uh, these other defensive ends are certainly capable of winning one-on-ones. But it's to the point now where if Miles Garrett gets a one-on-one, it's not even a question whether or not it's going to be a hurry. It's not even a question most likely whether it's going to be a sack. It's going to be a question of, does your quarterback still have the ball when it's over after he gets the sack? That is how good he is. He's just, you know, he's got the length. He's got the strength. He's got the pure athleticism. And I believe he gets better and better football intelligence as the years go on. And just learning, you know, and I think it's to the point now where everybody gets a book, you know, all right, well, I know this guy, I've seen him so-and-so, I know what he thinks he can do to me. All right, well, he's done that to me in the past. All right, well, guess what? He ain't going to be ready for this when I counter that. And he's just just grown intelligently and just, and it's weird to say a better person because he never, it's not that he ever wasn't, but he, I think he's just come back from this, just more appreciative of everything he has, every opportunity to take a field on Sunday and be as special as he is. And looking at this matchup with the Colts this weekend, a lot of people think it's going to be a close one. Uh, you, you've told us about the Browns, but what do you think about this matchup? What are your, how do you see this shaking out? Well, I, I mean, it's, I think the first thing that comes to my mind here is, you know, for the Browns, you know, what is the thing that shows well for, you know, shows equally to them? Their offensive line is going to get a test from a good defensive line. What is the Colts offensive line going to get? They're going to get a test from a good defensive line. So we're almost talking like some late 80s type of, you know, 
where this game is based as far as it probably is going to start in the trenches. Um, DeForest Buckner, obviously no slouch, one hell of a player on the interior. Um, the Browns right now, Wyatt Teller, J.C. Treader, Joel Batonio, they're great on the interior. But now you're going up against a player of, you know, the ilk of DeForest Buckner. Um, does it, do, do you take it to that level? Do you, are you able to take a player like that out of the game this week? Um, and, you know, their offensive line has been fantastic. I think it's become around a lot sooner than anybody possibly anticipated because there wasn't much time for them to gel and players missed some time. J.C. Treader only showed up to practices week one, um, you know, and was ready to go. So I think it's going to start there. Um, the other thing, you know, and I think the, the Colts overall are better defensively, the linebacker position. Obviously, that's going to be key on who exactly is trotting out at the linebacker position for the Colts this Sunday. Uh, no Darius Leonard. Obviously, I feel better, you know, from, from my Browns in that standpoint. I think your secondary right now is playing a little bit better. I think the Browns have the talent to maybe play better. They just have certainly not to this point. But the thing that I look at is I look at the skill positions, and I think this is where it gets tough. Um, from the Colts side of the ball, like, look, T.Y. Hilton is no longer the T.Y. Hilton. You know, he, you know, I was talking with somebody yesterday where it kind of just seems like, you know, at 32, maybe T.Y. Hilton is now a number two wide receiver, not the number one wide receiver he used to be. Um, obviously, they were planning on their own one, two at the running back position with Marlon Mack, who's been highly successful in this league, and young Jonathan Taylor, you know, finding his way in this league and looking pretty good to this point. Um, so I, I, it just, I, I, this is where I think, you know, if the Browns, should win because if you have all these skill guys, somebody's got to make a difference somewhere if it's a close game. And I'm definitely thinking like, you know, 2017, 24, 20, something like that. I think it's going to be, you know, and it seems weird to say low scoring, but that is low scoring, I guess, nowadays. But I think, you know, with you, ha with you having Odell, a Kareem Hunt, an Austin Hooper, and even a Jarvis Landry, if these guys are, you know, supposed to be the top of the top as far as, uh, you know, these skilled position players, somebody's got to make a difference somewhere when you get into a tight game to take a tight game and, and put your team at the difference. I mean, the Colts, whatever they have right now is working. Um, it'll continue to work. Obviously, you're hoping for Taylor just to continue to develop behind this offensive line, which I certainly think he is going to do. But that's just the one thing for me where, you know, and hey, I could be wrong, but that's one thing for me where I think this could maybe make a difference because offensive, defensive line, I think they're kind of almost going to wash themselves out. I think each defensive line is going to be able to make some plays. There's going to be some holes created by these offensive lines, all great units on both sides of the ball. So I look for where might be the difference. I guess for me, the difference would be maybe one of these Browns skill positions where they seem to have a little bit of an edge should make a difference. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you mentioned some of those scores because what I've been tossed around in my head is, you know, I'm, I'm giving the Colts the edge, but I was saying that 24, 20 score. I, I, I think there are ingredients there for it to maybe be a mini shootout. But overall, I, I'm going to take the under on points, which I think is at about 46 and a half. I, well, I think, and you look at it, though, both these quarterbacks have the interception at the wrong time. You know, Phillip Rivers has done that for his years. Uh, you know, obviously, Baker Mayfield's had a little bit of history that, you know, of this, of just throwing the inopportune INT. So, you know, that could certainly be a factor for either one of these quarterbacks. Yeah, you are absolutely right. They both kind of have the, the, the gunslinger mentality, but they all can also can – have the ball that just kind of occasionally floats on them. And just like you said, it's just a bad pick at the wrong time. But Jeff, that is all I got for you today. It's, it's always fun when our paths cross and I enjoy talking to you on Twitter and you are also a fellow grilled cheese truther who puts mayonnaise on the bread. And I appreciate that Thank about you, you buddy. <laughs> that is the most consistent way because guess what folks, if you cook it with butter, if you want your cheese melted correctly, you have now burnt your sandwich. This is what nobody gets. And why does it work better? Because mayonnaise is a little bit more fatty. It allows for a longer cook. Therefore, your cheese actually melts. If you just want cheese on bread, then throw the damn thing in the microwave and don't even disrespect the entire grilled cheese. Yes, yes. I, I love it. No, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to do it. It's a nice little crisp. And like you said, it, al it allows for the length of cooking time necessary to get that cheese perfect. See, now so, we're breaking down the important things, Jake. That, yeah, that's exactly right. You don't always come <laughs> to a football podcast for your grilled cheese breakdown, but we got you covered. <laughs> but yeah, th thanks so much, Jeff. Um, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you at some point down the road, I'm sure. And you have a great night. Yep. Enjoy the game on Sunday, Jake. Uh, you know, I'll be, you know, I'm, I'm sure I know I'll be around. I know you'll be around. So oh, yeah. we'll see how it all plays out on Sunday. Yeah, we'll be chatting. You have a good one. You as well, sir. Yeah, bye.
Thanks so much to Jeff for his time. Again, he's the host of the Locked on Browns podcast, and you can find him on Twitter at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Offensively for the Colts in this matchup, it looks like the week that the passing game could finally open up a bit. Uh, while the Colts aren't at full strength with Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr. still out with injuries, you've got some guys out there. you got T.Y. Hilton, Zach Paschal, Marcus Johnson, Jack Doyle, Mo Alley-Cox, and then Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor can catch the ball out of the backfield. So Phillip Rivers has enough weapons to make this work for a big game if need be, if, if that's how the game dictates. On the ground, Cleveland is not bad defensively. They're fifth against the run, allowing just 77 yards per game. And that's backed up by them being tied for 7th in yards per carry allowed with 3.6. So we'll see just how involved Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, and and Jordan Wilkins truly are. If Cleveland gets ahead like they were able to against Dallas last week, then it's going to be a lot of playing catch-up for the Colts through the air, and they might have to abandon the run. Defensively, there's a lot you've got to look at in stopping that Browns offense. Nick Chubb is out with a knee issue, as we discussed, but Kareem Hunt is one of the league's best backs in his own right. So while the, the Browns had two high-end backs, now they still have one. So it's it's not a huge drop-off there. The, the Colts still have to focus on shutting that down. And then Dernis Johnson has looked really nice behind them as well. So the, the, the Colts really don't get a break uh, anytime one of those guys is, is going to leave to the sideline. Obviously, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry at receiver, and you got Austin Hooper at tight end. Uh, OBJ went nuts last week, over 150 yards of offense and three touchdowns. So you guys know what he can do. He looked like vintage New York Giants OBJ out there, and he's finally healthy. So that's definitely dangerous for the Colts. The Colts defense is based off of speed, range, and effort, though. So I, I think I don't think they'll have as much of an issue as Dallas uh, did last week. And obviously, that's not what the Browns do every week. They just were able to finally capitalize on a really weak defense last week in the Cowboys. Uh, As far as fantasy goes, I highlighted Phillip Rivers, Jonathan Taylor, and Mo Alley-Cox this week for the Colts. With the exception of Dwayne Haskins, every quarterback that the Browns have faced has had a big game. All four quarterbacks have had multiple touchdowns, and the other three other than Haskins have all had at least 24 fantasy points. As far as Taylor goes, he's still the leader in the Colts' backfield, and he's averaging almost 19 touches per game for 85 yards and has had two touchdowns. Allie Cox has obviously been hot lately, and he plays a position that Cleveland hasn't defended well. Uh, Mark Andrews, C.J. Uzoma, and Dalton Schultz have all had quality of fantasy performances against them. Now up are the listener questions that you guys had for me on Twitter this week. First up is from Chris Thomas. He said, will the opposing quarterback throw two pick sixes and have the Colts defense outscore their offense? Uh, That's obviously alluding to the Jets game when uh, the Colts made Sam Darnold just look otherworldly bad. Uh, But no, I mean, Baker Mayfield does have the the penchant for the occasional ill-timed interception, but he's only got two this year and he hasn't thrown one since week two. Neither of them are pick sixes. So we'll give Baker a break here. Uh, it would definitely be beneficial for the Colts to win if they were able to force him into some of those mistakes, but I don't know. That's a lot to ask. Next up is from Joshua Sutton. He said, might we see more passing this game with the Browns allowing 300 plus yards per game this season? Uh, yeah, we kind of touched on that. I think this if, if the Colts passing game is going to open up a bit, it's probably going to be this week. Uh, the, the ingredients are certainly there. The pass defense for the Browns just has not been that great. And like we said, other than Dwayne Haskins, pretty much every every other quarterback has had a big game. Next up is from Jared. He said, what's the bigger problem, Miles Garrett or the Colts mounting injury report? That's kind of those kind of play off each other because Miles Garrett is playing at a defensive player of the year level. However, one of those players that's on the Colts injury report is Anthony Costanzo, their left tackle who, you know, they're, they're best outside pass protectors. So those kind of go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, Miles Garrett is an issue regardless. If the Colts are without their left tackle, that obviously becomes an enormous problem. And then the last question is from Andrew Miller. He said, what is Indy going to do to slow down the Cleveland running game? So we've also kind of talked about that a bit as well. 
Luckily for them, they don't have to face Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It's just Kareem Hunt and Duranis Johnson. Uh, but I think they've just got to play their game. Uh, that front seven is very, very disruptive. They're not a gap-filling team uh, defensively up front. They just kind of have controlled chaos. They, they shoot their gaps and try to get into the backfield, and that's very disruptive for running backs. And then, you know, the, the defensive linemen and linebackers are all very fast and rangy, so trying to get to the outside on them is also a tough task. Thank you guys very much for your questions this week. And now we're back to doing the local shout-out this week, and it is none other than DJ Derek Timmons. You'll start to notice that the music around here is about to get much better, and Derek is definitely the reason why. Uh, he's been helping a new podcaster like me out with some of the music aspects of the show. I've personally been around him while he's working on several occasions. Uh, he's played bars and nightclubs, weddings, parties, you name it. Uh, he, he always keeps the music flowing and you know n never lets there be a dull moment. So if you need a DJ for an event or anything, please reach out to DJ Derek Timmons. You can find him on Facebook and SoundCloud at DJ Derek Timmons. That's DJ D-E-R-E-K-T-I-M-M-O-N-S. And then another sort of shout out goes to the boys over at the Believe in Browns podcast, Charles Campisi and Tony Dick, who had me on their show to discuss this week's matchup. Well, welcome Browns backers. We're here with Jake Arthur of Believe in the Colts. Jake, as I talked to the Cowboys folks last week, uh, when the Browns sitting two and one and the Cowboys sitting one and two, I think folks would have probably said similar things at the beginning of this year. I don't think too many people would have picked the Browns to be three and one or the Colts to be three and one. What's your outlook so far just on the Colts season? Yeah, so far it's it's kind of gone smoothly. It got off to a little bit of a rocky start. Uh, they they really should be four and zero. To be honest with you, they sh they should have beat Jacksonville. Uh, they outgained them by over two hundred yards of offense, but they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. You know, turnovers, penalties, blown coverages, this and that. Uh, they they really they really made a habit out of beating themselves last year. And they carried that into week one, but they've really smoothed out some of those cracks so far. How do you explain a number one ranked defense? I mean, if you're looking at this defense, maybe outside of a couple guys, it's a pretty, you know, harken back to the no-name defense of the Dolphins in the 70s or something like that. Uh, what's going on with the defense there? Yeah, so so far they're I think they're just kind of feasting on inferior competition. Uh, they're they're doing their jobs and kind of taking care of of business like they're supposed to. Now, don't get me wrong; they, there's some really talented players on there, and they should they're they're a good defense regardless. Uh, but they've they've really just been able to take advantage of playing teams. You know, the the Bears aren't all that great on offense, and they're missing Tariq Cohen. The Jets are just a disaster. Um, the, the Vikings, the Colts got the draw of bad Kirk Cousins that day. So they've, they've just really been able to take advantage of the matchups they've been given. Um, again, I do think they're a good defense regardless, but this matchup here this Sunday is easily their biggest barometer so far. How do they handle an offense that has Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry? What, what do they do against that? Uh, so a lot of people are really excited to see what transpires from this one. Well, and I think too, uh, you know, jumping in here, I think too, looking at the schedule, uh, this is a big game for the Colts because I think if the Colts win this one, it sets you up nicely for going into that, that buy and coming out and, and obviously um, coming out of that buy, you're going to have Detroit, which I don't want to say is a gimme, but it's, it's certainly a, a little bit easier game. But then that sets you up for that week nine matchup against the Ravens. And, and I think if you can, you know, if you can pull this one off against Cleveland, um, you're set up nicely here to enter that game with the Ravens on a tremendous, uh, you know, role as far as the record goes. And, and I just, I don't know. I, I think I have to believe I'm not familiar with just how the team is, you know, mentally, but I have to believe this is a game you know, the coaching staff and everyone's looking at is th this could be much more than just one win. This could lead to, you know, two or three in a row here before you get to that Baltimore game, which sets you up for a pretty decent season. 
Yeah, this is definitely one of those kind of snowball games where if, if you win something like this, it, it just puts you to another level mentally and you can just kind of keep playing at a high level from there. And like you said, you know, after this, there's the Bengals and then the bye. So they could be set up beautifully going into their bye for a, a, a second half stretch that is tougher than the first one. And I think they especially need to take advantage right now while all this weird stuff is going on with the Titans uh, because technically the Titans are in first in the AFC South at 3-0. and The Colts 3-1 and are just right behind them. But, you know, the, the Texans and Jaguars, they're both way far behind with just one combined win. So if the Colts can start building mo- more momentum and get ahead of the Titans here and, and until everything gets figured out with, with Tennessee, <laughs> then I, I think they... I, th- I think they maybe change their mentality in the second half or just kind of take it to a different understanding that, okay, we're in the driver's seat in the division and this is ours, but, you know, this is ours to lose. So let's make sure we don't lose it. Yeah. yeah and I think this, the challenge, I think not only for the Colts, but for the NFL is going to be figuring out what's going on with the Titans, right? If they have to, if they have to, you know, miss another game, then how does that impact you guys as you're as you're moving through? And you got that tough stretch of games where, you know, week 9, 10, 11, and 12, you got Baltimore, Tennessee, Green Bay, and Tennessee again, back to back to back to back. That is a brutal stretch uh, for you guys. But if the Titans only have to play 14 games and you got to play all 16, it's, it's going to be an interesting uh, end of the season there. I, I, w- I would think, you know, and I know I heard on the way in here, they're kind of kicking around. And, of course, it's just people kicking around, um, you know, ideas. Um, if, if this continues for a, an exp- expanded period of time and they have to push back more games, at some point this is probably going to have to result in some kind of penalty, which may even be a forfeit of, of those games. Um, you know, obviously that's – a precedent that we've never had in the NFL, but you know, other than pushing the season back two or three more weeks so they can get their make their their rainout yeah. games in or whatever, <laughs> that's not. I just don't know how they can make that happen. So um, one half double headers is that what you're Something. So we'll we'll just see how that plays out. But I, I mean, I, I guess you you know for. For, for the Colts, though, I mean, you're in the driver's seat right now. I mean, you know, you're playing well. Um, even if it is against inferior competition, I mean, you obviously could have lost those games too. So um, I like where you're at. How do you think the team has handled the transition from from Brissett to, to Phillip Rivers? I mean, obviously the record's there, but, you know, he's been a little up and down for you guys. Yeah, I I don't think there's been any enormous change so far. Uh, both guys really like to spread the ball around. There there isn't there's not one guy on the Colts like a DeAndre Hopkins who's going to get like 180 or 200 targets. Um, Rivers seems to have seven, eight, nine different receivers each game. Uh, so they're they're kind of taking advantage of what the defense gives them. I will say Rivers is not as reluctant to go downfield though. Um, that was just something, I don't know if it was a mental block or what it was, but Jacoby just rarely went downfield. Uh, but Philip is really not af- afraid to kind of pull the trigger and go down there. Now, with that said, there really hasn't been that many deep shots. Uh, everyone is sitting around waiting for T.Y. Hilton to have some huge 150-yard game, and it just hasn't happened. He hasn't. He, he did have one uh, 44-yard target against the Vikings that he dropped in the end zone. Uh, said the the sun got in his eyes, but that's really been about the only deep shot we've seen them take. And I'd I'd have to think maybe if Paris Campbell was uh, wasn't hurt, that maybe that would factor in a little bit as well because he's got unrivaled speed. So um, it's it's been it's been interesting. Um, they're they're still a run based team. That, you know they they run it first, so. Uh, maybe we've seen the the running backs a little more involved in the passing game, but so far there hasn't been any real huge change in the uh, in the offense. Honestly, um, I, I'd say they're at least on third down in the red zone. They're behind where they were with Brissett last year. Uh, Brissett was efficient as as all get out to start last year until about the midway mark of the season. So I, I just think they're kind of working things out still. Um, they, they weren't expecting to already be down Marlon Mack and Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman. 
So they've had to adjust on the fly quite a bit. And I, I think they're still probably figuring some things out on offense. Yeah. Well, uh, you do know we gave up 500 yards passing last week. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> they might, they might be able to figure out a thing or two this week. Yeah. For, for my, uh, for my fantasy preview on, on all I just finished that today and I've been reluctant to, to recommend Philip rivers as a start any week, but I finally put him in there in this week, you know, <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone other than Dwayne Haskins has had a big game against the Browns. So Phillip's capable, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think on our end, I think that's the challenge is, is just the Browns being able to shut down that Colts offense. And then the defense, you know, Hey, you know, it's, it's it's been shaky all season, so so we'll see. Yeah, and I think that the big factor this week for the Colts is are, are I mean, I think if you're looking for the keys to victory, it would be to eliminate the idiotic turnovers or the fluky turnovers. I guess I should say that Dallas had because if you take away the fluky turnovers and you take away some of the uh, mistakes on special teams, uh, you know Dallas ends up beating us in that game. I mean, that was a very winnable game for Dallas if they just eliminate the two turnovers and, and the, the, the missed special teams uh, assignments. So um, I don't know if I'm Philip Rivers though, I am, I am chomping at the bit. And if I'm T Y Hilton, I, I am uh, do a, do a little extra stretching this week. <laughs> there, might be, there might be some running going on on Sunday. They um, need it. We're just not good. We're, we're not quite there yet. You know, we'll get the turnovers, but we're not going to be a defense that's going to consistently shut you down. You're going to be able to run all over us, um, you know, unfortunately right now. But Well, if Anthony Costanzo doesn't play, I mean, he's, he's missed both days of practice so far with a rib injury. Miles Garrett uh, might be a little more terrifying of a matchup on the Colts side of things if <laughs> Costanzo's not out there. Yeah, if, if he's in the backfield a little more than normal, we'd be uh, more than happy with that uh, <laughs> on our end. But but part of it is, right, this Browns offense, as you mentioned, hey, maybe you got some wins against some teams that haven't been playing exactly uh, up to snuff. I think you guys are, let's see, uh, against teams, you guys are 5-11, and 11, your opponents. Uh, we're 6-9-1. and one. So our opponents aren't exactly lighting it up either. And it's a matter of the one good team we played in the Ravens we scored six points against. So, you know, our offense has a lot of talent. They haven't been able to execute against talented teams. And I think that's the big challenge this week is going up against this Colts defense. Can they put points on the board? Yeah. And and again, that's kind of, that's kind of the biggest thing people are waiting to see about this Colts defense. Uh, I think that'll be a huge check Mark for them if they're able to shut down the Browns, uh, especially if Darius Leonard isn't able to go. Uh, he's also missed both days of practice so far. It's just one of those things where is this defense real? Like they're obviously good enough to completely smother terrible offenses. Um, however, what do you do against a team that on paper has some superstars on it? Yeah. And I think that's what we're all looking to see. I mean, this, you know, Baker Mayfield's had a decent season, but as you were talking about earlier, even with Phillip Rivers not necessarily taking big shots downfield, he's still averaging over a yard and a half per pass or per completion more than Baker is. So if he's not taking any shots, we're definitely not taking any shots. Yeah, this uh, the Colts defense, they've really... So so in week one against Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars, Minshew completed 19 of 20 passes. Uh, the zone was soft, and they just let him have everything. And when you coupled that with some of the blown coverages, it just it killed them defensively. Uh, since then, they've really tightened up their coverage, and the, the cornerbacks have gotten a lot more physical and aggressive. Uh, we've we've seen really good play out of Xavier Rhodes. You know, he got he got signed for the the veteran minimum but has looked a lot like the you know all pro version of Xavier Rhodes so far. Uh Kenny Moore is is as good as he's been. Uh Rocky Asin looked great coming back last week. So 
after tightening up that coverage and, and not playing so much soft zone and just letting their, their guys, you know, play off of their man a little bit more, it they've gotten better results. So they, they haven't faced, they haven't faced an Odell Beckham jr. Yet. Um, you know, they've had DJ Chark and Adam Thielen, but OBJ is just a different type of explosive. Obviously, as we saw last week, even with that end around, that just kind of was the nail in the coffin for the Cowboys last week. Yeah, we're just hoping we can utilize him again as we utilized him last week because for the last you know two seasons, we didn't see much of that. So to see at least a spark of it has been really nice uh, on our end, and people are excited uh, to see what he can do against an elite level defense at this point. Yeah. And luckily for the Colts, their, their keystone attribute on defense is speed. So they're probably a bit faster than Dallas was. So that, that should work in their benefit this week, but they're, they're supposed to limit yards after catch opportunities and, and not their, their defense basically eliminates yards after catch and um, doesn't, doesn't allow receivers to take the top off. Uh, because of the the cover too there, so we'll see how that works out this week. Yeah, yeah, you know, for for me too. Another thing I, I want, well, another question I wanted to ask you was what you think about the coaching matchups. I know Stefanski. You know, we're only four four games into the, I guess here in Cleveland we call it the Stefanski experiment because I mean we could get rid of them. <laughs> you know, expiration. Yeah, we don't have eras here in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Our uh, our. Uh, Expiration date on our coaches is similar to uh, had a lettuce from the grocery store. I mean, <laughs> but um, you, you know, I just I, I think you know I, I know we're looking at matchups. We're talking about matchups, but I think an important thing for Cleveland is I mean we have talent. You mentioned we have talent on paper, but I think you know something that has been a prevailing theme for us is that our talent is not really matured talent, and we're kind of. You know, even though we are three and one right now, we're kind of waiting on our end. Not so much for you know. You're saying you're waiting for the defense. Um, you, you know, it, can it really uh, be successful against a real team? We're kind of waiting for can our team handle adversity, like any kind of adversity, um, because we have um, stars on the team, but we have a lot of stars on the team that are very demanding. Um, don't want to mention names, but I mean, um, you, you know, we we have a wide receiver that if. If, has if it, three initials. Yeah, <laughs> if, if it's close and he's not getting the ball, I think that's really what I, I going into this game, that's what I want to look at. Are we going to stick to what we've been doing the first four weeks? Are we going to be able to stick to that? Or are we going to, you know, if we get behind against the Colts or if we get into a, a shootout, because I think you guys are going to be able to put some points up on us. I, I mean, I don't think that's going to, a question. But if you start putting points up and we need to start, you know, match that, are we going to stick to the running game, slow the game down, and then, you know, hit, hit passes if we can? Or are we going to have people that are going to be clamoring for the ball and we abandon what we're doing? And, and I think we're just, you know, unfortunately, we gotta, we're going to have to keep asking that question until we get enough evidence to show us that Stefanski will stick to the plan. But um, I think, I guess the question I'm asking you is what you think as far as the coaching matchups, having seen Frank Wright more than we have, um, you know, other than a player, I know, I know, uh, you know, uh, you've seen him as a player, but I, I have not, but um, just wondering your thoughts on that. Yeah. It's, you honestly never, you never quite know what their approach is going to be. You can study the opponent and figure, you know, what is going to be the approach. And it it just rarely seems to be. Um, I, you, you made a really good point about kind of the mental thing and, you know, playing throughout the entire game and, and how long you can kind of stick to your plan. If, if a guy like your receiver, you were mentioning, if, if he can hang in there all four quarters, you know, they might have something there because the Colts, the, the Colts allowed three catches for 31 yards to Adam Thielen on the first drive against the Vikings and then completely shut him out the rest of the game. And then they were shutting down Allen Robinson for the entire game. But then once it was garbage time, he just kind of started having his way, wound up with a hundred yards. Uh, so Man, if 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 he doesn't allow himself to be taken out of the game mentally and stays with it and, you know, keeps playing fierce, the Colts could feasibly kind of take him out of it. 
but he's got to stay patient. And if he just knows he'll get his shot, then, you know, something could break late in the game like it did last week against Robinson. Yeah. And that's, I mean, in our end, that's what you have to hope for, because I think when the, when the team lost to Baltimore, they could definitively say, Hey, we know this team realistically, you never want to admit that, but I think in the back of their minds, guys knew that that was a better team than, than this team. I think when you're looking at it before the season, I don't think anybody was saying that the Colts were definitively better than the Browns, right? They might've said, Hey, we think their schedule is maybe a little better and they're probably going to have a little bit better record. But I think it, it might've been a toss up between who you thought was going to win this game prior to the season. So if, if things go downhill against you guys where the offense is sputtering and the defense is playing like our defense has played all year, uh, as Tony said, from the Brown side of things, it's going to be an interesting uh, next week after this game. Uh, if things go downhill. So go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, that's, you know, that's a really good point because they're riding as high as, as ever right now after such a huge game, you know, almost 50 points, 500 yards of offense. So th- they'll they'll be entering the matchup with quite an attitude, I'm sure. But, um, you know, a, a team that's got maybe a couple personalities on it, they, they're just going to have to stay mentally strong if they're getting shut down. Yeah, we hope so. <laughs> now, the question we have for you, Mr. Clay, is, is, here we go, our, our gambling questions. Uh, I am nine and three, I believe, on the season, and Tony is eight and four. Is that what we got? 12 yeah. or 12 picks, right? Three picks a week, four yeah, weeks, yeah, right? Yeah. It's foolish and took Dallas last week. Yeah, yeah. So, so we want you to pick a straight up winner. The line is Colts minus one, and the over under is 46 and a half. So we need a winner, a spread, and who you got over under. So I do think this is going to be a close one. And uh, I I answered somebody earlier today that I thought was going to be 24-20. So I'll take the Colts and and I'll give them the points there. But uh, yeah, I I think it might be under 46. It's weird because I think there are ingredients for this to be potentially a shootout. But I have to see that from this Colts offense first. They, you know, they're a run-based offense and they haven't really aired it out all that much yet. So until I see it, I'm going to lean on the lighter side for them. So I'll say Colts take it 24-20. So you're taking the Colts, giving the points, and uh, taking the under. All right, Tony, what do you got? Well, I I feel like I should take the Browns this week only because uh, <laughs> I, I feel I owe them for for last week. But I will I will take the over. I, I will take the over because it is for both teams. Um, so um, if, if, if we're only for the Colts, I might I might have to go with the under, maybe just a little bit. But I, I honestly, in all seriousness, I, I until our defense can prove to me that they can shut a team down, I can't see you scoring less than thirty points. I mean, we we have just not proven that we can do that. And with Philip Rivers, I mean, I, I just. I've seen him put up some huge numbers over the years, even with bad teams. So you have a team that is not a bad team going up against a defense that is not a great defense. I, I got to take, I'll take the over. I will go, I will go with, I will go with the Browns Browns. on the win. Yeah. I, I, I I just, I don't know. Okay. So, I mean, obviously then you're taking the points if you're, if you're there, I am. Cause I said this, after I think week two, I am taking the over because I am taking the over just every game this season because the Browns defense is playing in every game this season. So I am kind of playing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there will hopefully be eleven gentlemen on the field. Hopefully we won't forget to have uh, all eleven out there. Um, and I just you know Miles Garrett is a is a man child. The guy is a beast. He's an elite NFL player. You know if he continues playing the way he plays the sky's the limit for that guy but there is not a lot of surrounding talent uh at our second and third level of our defense and so i think philip rivers and 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 the colts offense is going to be able to pick that apart a little bit yes you did mention that hey if costanzo is not playing and and your left tackles out 
that would be great for us. Uh, but I still think you're going to be able to to put up some points. Don't don't sleep on Chaz Green. Don't. All right, I won't. <laughs> I won't. I, that is that is encouraging because that offense they they need they need a big game at some point. Yeah, well, I think it will come this week. It it just matters. I the challenge is going to be: is that Colts defense for real against hopefully what is a for real Browns offense? Even with Nick Chubb being out with the MCL sprain, hey, there is talent behind him with Kareem Hunt there and uh, Dearness Johnson apparently uh, just busting for hundred yards. Whatever you need a guy off the bench to go for a hundred yards. I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with Tony. I'm gonna support you here because I think we both and and all. It's almost like a makeup pick, right? Where that umpire that missed the call earlier. So now we feel like we have to make another makeup call, even if we don't necessarily 100% believe in it. Uh, <laughs> I am gonna go with the Browns as well. So we're all sticking with our home sides, and you know. We, <laughs> Jake, you're taking the under, so you're you're a brave man uh, taking the under, or maybe just have that much faith in your Colts defense to jam up this Browns offense that it's going to be like Week One for the Browns, and and they're not going to quite hit that number. That's that. Yeah, that's the thought. I I think that you know they just want to run the ball, and if they're able to, that'll obviously slow the pace a bit. And if that defense is for real and is able to to take care of the Browns offense a little bit, maybe not totally shut them down. Um, Cause I mean, they haven't allowed more than 11 points in a few weeks, um, but we haven't given up fewer than 20 all season. And that was to the Washington football team. Okay. Uh, all, all the other NFL teams that we played, <laughs> we gave up at least, we gave up at least 30. Uh, well, all right. Yeah. That again, that is encouraging. <laughs> yeah, some of the high some of the highlights from this game uh, may appear in Philip Rivers' uh, Canton uh, you know, <laughs> highlight film in a couple of years, eighty years. <laughs> yeah, if properly uh, done. So, well, God, I I tell you, Ty Hilton really wants a big game, so he he needs it. I, I mean, Denzel Ward is is not an easy draw coverage wise, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I would look for your tight ends to maybe eat us alive a little bit uh, as well. Our our coverage backers are, uh, I think, one of the three of us might be able to step out there and provide equal level of coverage. Uh, <laughs> well, Mo Alley Cox is having a bit of a breakout season right now, so that's that's a good matchup. I, I actually had him in my uh, stardom for this week as well, so. Yeah, I think he might be a guy, uh, if you got in fantasy or if you're playing daily fantasy even, then uh, you might want to start some Colts this week, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm booking it. That's that's good. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, Jake. Well, thanks for taking the time to break down the Browns-Colts or Colts-Browns matchup, I guess, depending on which side of the fence you're on. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah. You take care. Have a good one. Thanks to Charles and Tony for having me on. Well, that's all I got for you this week, guys. Thanks for being with me today. Please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and more. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts and me personally at JakeArthurNFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as JakeArthur underscore on Instagram. My written work can be found on Sports Illustrated at allcolts.com. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the show, please send them to me through email at believeincolts at gmail.com or respond when I send out the call for questions on Twitter. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact believe at believe.com. Colts fans, you'll hear from us again in a few days after the Colts and Browns game on Sunday afternoon. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.